The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pit Podcast. Get ready for contact. What's up, everybody? This is your boy Dex with the I Am Pits podcast, and I'm back. I'm back with the late spur of the moment episode after the foolishness I just experienced at the end of my 12 hour shift. Yeah, so after I get done, you know, I'm hungry, man. So I need to get something to eat. So I'm driving home, and I decide, you know what, I'm gonna make a run for the border and head to Taco Bell. Well, hold, hold up. Is that racist? Can I not say make a run for the border or is that racist? Ah, yeah, never mind. You know what? I'm black. I'm exempt from being racist. That's right. Yes, I made a run for the border. Grab me that nachos Belgrande, a chalupa, and a taco. I know it's not healthy, but I've been out fighting crime all day. And fighting crime makes you hungry. And I had nowhere else to go. So don't judge me. So I get that. But now I'm home. I'm with my family. Even though my dreams for the weekend are crushed, I was like, you know what? I need to do an episode. So I'm sitting here, full on Taco Bell, sipping on some Russell Reserve bourbon. So my lips about to get a little loose. Mm. Yeah, I'm about to get real loose on this one. Not even just to get loose, but I just need to unwind. It was a long day. A long day. But my plans for the weekend have been ruined, man. Like this weekend, I was supposed to be working on the audio book for I Am Pitt's Memoirs of an American Patriot. I'm going to read my own audio book. It's been on my mind to do it this weekend, but lo and behold, that's gone. The other plans I had on spending time with my family, it's probably gone. But on the flip side, a brother like working that overtime and a brother like getting that money. So if the city going to pay me, go ahead. I'll go ahead and play the game. And I will forego my weekend plans and be at work this weekend when I'm supposed to be off enjoying life. But what did I tell you all? A couple episodes ago, I was talking about Black Lives Matter and how the movement had died down. But I told people, I was like, you know what? It might have died down, but it is not dead. It is just laying dormant and they're waiting for one thing, one incident or one episode to pop back up. And well, here they are. Black Lives Matter and the crusade for justice is back on. I was impressed by tonight because it was cold as heck outside. And there were actually people outside marching. So protest season, you know, we're right on the tip of spring. And so it's officially about to be protest season again here in Louisville. And it is getting an early start, early start. And I'm all and I'm here for it all. And I'm all in on it. I'm ready to do this thing. But hey, like I said, it wasn't over. So they are now trying to breathe life back into this dying movement. Man, the wokeness and all the other crap we've been battling over the years, everything, the momentum that they have picked up, they have lost. 
the momentum has not been on their side of the leftists and Marxists, BLM and all these other organizations forever, man. I mean, they did themselves no favors these last few years, especially here in Louisville. A couple, I think it was, oh, I can't even remember when it was, man. Jesus, my mind, I, the last few years I blended together. But I know it was one of the last major protests they had downtown where there's some cheerleaders here in town and they just accosted these young cheerleaders, started accusing them of having white privilege. And I mean, they were just being horrible to these people, to these outsiders and these visitors coming to Louisville, man. And I felt horrible that there was literally nothing we could do about it, you know. But now they're trying to breathe life back into this movement and they're trying to, you know, gain some more credibility. What I really think was happening is this whole March for Justice tonight, which I'm going to get into about why this is happening. What I really believe has happened is this is a cry for attention and this is a cry for more money. They're saying, hey, we need there's no justice. There's no peace because I mismanaged all the money I made from the 2020 and 2021 riots and protests. And I need some more clout. People are forgetting about me on social media and I need to do something to stay relevant. And this is the perfect opportunity for them to reemerge. So if you happen to live under a rock or you are not on social media here in Louisville, Kentucky, in March of 2020, I believe I wasn't here. I don't know. 2020 was a blurry year. But yes, here in Louisville, Kentucky, there is a young black, innocent black woman, according to the media, who was merely just sitting in her room and laying in her bed. And all of a sudden, these angry white cops burst in through her door. Somebody fired a shot and then. Another officer shot back and they shot her and killed her while she was laying in her bed for the crime of simply being black. That's what the media would have you believe. But that is not the case of what happened in the tragic death of Breonna Taylor here in Louisville, Kentucky. There's a whole lot to the case. I'm not going to get into it, man. Dude, I, it's, it's a whole lot. and I'm not going to pack all that. But what I will get into is. How after the death of Breonna Taylor, this was all a perfect storm in 2020. So in 2020, we had the death of Breonna Taylor. And then I believe just after that, in May, we had the death of George Floyd, which sparked outrage across the country as well. And then on top of that, what were we dealing with in America? That was a new trend of fad COVID. And what did the country do in that time frame? Oh, we're going to shut this place down. We're going to lock down the, you know, the country. Don't come outside. Maintain your distance. We're, you know, what is it? Uh, Social distancing back back and give everybody six feet. Oh, and wear your mask. There's no, but you're not supposed to have gatherings, large gatherings of people. But hey, if you want to protest police brutality and these evil white racist cops, feel free to come out and violate all those guidelines and just live your life. And just go out here and have a COVID super spreader protest that nobody will say anything about. Because apparently COVID doesn't spread when there's injustice in their eyes. And so, you know, we it was just a perfect storm. Like the whole thing was just it was magical, man. Because of COVID, everybody, nobody was working. Everybody was shut inside. Everybody was cut off from the world. But lo and behold, we have these two major incidents involving black people and police and two tragic deaths and and it was like say it was a perfect storm it all happened around the same time and it all exploded at the same time 
And so we have people in the streets all across America rioting and destroying cities. And I'm I'm just going to say people. They were supposed to be protesting, but protesting, you're not protesting when you're trying to set a building on fire or when you're hurting people or when you're using your right to protest to impede on somebody else's freedom of movement. That's not protesting. That's kidnapping and holding somebody hostage. And that's what we had a whole summer of 2020 and a whole year of 2021 of. So, like I said, lo and behold, here in Louisville, we had the death of Breonna Taylor. And during the search warrant on her apartment, it was a no-knock warrant. But guess what? The officers still knocked. So the officers knocked. They take down the door. A shot gets fired. One of our uh, sergeants, Sergeant John Maddenley, shout out to my dude. If you don't know, he's got a book coming out. You better buy his book, 12 Seconds in the Dark where he's going to give you all the juicy details and all the information that the media misled you on and lied to you about. So get Sergeant John Maddenley's book, 12 Seconds in the Dark, available, I believe, March 15th. So anyway, so next you know that Sergeant Maddenley takes the door. He gets shot in the leg. He falls back. And then there's another officer here in Louisville, a detective, Brett Hankinson. He fires shots into the residence after his homeboy, Took a round to the leg. And apparently when the shots were fired by the other officers, next thing you know, Breonna Taylor is struck in the hell of gunfire and she dies in the hallway, not in her bed. Because, my God, that was the biggest thing that the media and everything misreported. She was not in her bed. She was shot and killed in the hallway. And so they get uh, the guy that's inside, Kenneth Walker, I believe, you know, they detain him and he tells the police, hey. It wasn't me that was shot. That was my girl that shot y'all, bro. No, he throws her under the bus. You know, this is the guy that's supposed to love his girl, but hey, nah, she did that, bro. Not me. I would never do that to y'all. I didn't know who y'all was. You know, even though despite the fact that they were yelling police search warrant, police search warrant. Yeah, but he still shot anyway. So so the whole issue was, like I said, this thing got political super quick, man. It and I mean it blew out of proportion fast. And the biggest mistake the police department made is they did not get ahead of the false information being spread and put out. So lo and behold, you know, the police department comes under, you know, scrutiny and, oh, no, we're out here just serving warrants and just killing Negroes for sport. And it's not safe to be black in this city, yada, yada, yada. All the same crap y'all been hearing from the far left, the far left news places and all these other places and people, man, that's just so far blown out of line and out of proportion. And so there's an investigation into the incident. Uh, a few of our officers are fired. And one of those officers is Brett Hankinson. So the grand jury decides to indict Detective Brad Hankinson. Or excuse me, not Brad. Brett, my bad, bro. Uh, the grand jury decides to indict Brett Hankinson on three counts of wanton endangerment for firing, for firing his weapon into the apartment in which there was a shot that rang out from and struck his fellow officer. All right, so I was like, man, what is wanton endangerment? Well, if you sit back for a second, I'll tell you. According to the Kentucky Revised Statute, wanton endangerment, a person is guilty of wanton endangerment in the first degree when, under circumstances manifesting extreme indifference to the value of human life, he wantonly engages in conduct which creates a substantial danger of death or serious physical injury to another person. Wanton endangerment in the first degree is a class D felony. All right. So, of course, today was the trial for Detective Brett Hankinson. And I'll be honest, y'all. 
When I saw the verdict, my mouth hit the floor. They, the, the jury found Detective Hankinson not guilty on three counts of wanton endangerment. So had he been found convicted, no, been guilty of that, he was looking at possibly five to 15 years because it's a class D felony. Class D felonies in the state of Kentucky are punishable by one to five years in prison. And if he would have been found guilty on those counts, like I said, he would have been facing up to 15 years. But thank God, I, I'm still, I don't know how. I don't know if Detective Hankinson is a praying man because I don't know him personally. But if he, if I was him, I would be at church this Sunday in the front row with a fistful of money ready to put into the offering plate. Because my opinion on the case now, a lot of officers and a lot of people have their opinions on his actions in firing into the apartment because he said he saw a silhouette. Man, I'm not really going to get into that personally because I would I'm the type of guy I can hear it, but I want to see the video. I want to see the video. It's hard for me to make an assumption and put an officer and say an officer is guilty or not guilty if I don't see the video for this one. And typically, you know, I try to take an officer's word for it, but say, I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't there. And I mean, you will find officers that are in support of him and you will find some officers who adamantly disagree with his actions in firing his pistol into the apartment. But like I said, I wasn't there and it's hard for me to make a judgment on somebody and say they were wrong. I mean, when you're under stress and your homeboy in, to, you know, next to you just got shot. I mean, who knows, man, the stress inoculation, that stuff's real. But anyway, so, you know, they charged him for that, for firing to the apartment. And apparently his bullets went through the wall and there were three people on the other side of the wall. But the way that some of the media is shaping the uh, language for him shooting and being charged with one in danger is that he literally just shot into the wrong apartment is what they were saying. The way they were trying to make it sound it's like he just in the wrong apartment and purposely fired at these three people. And that's not the case at all. So there goes the media line again, you know, so the, uh, the verdict comes back and they find him not guilty on all counts. And man, I, whew, he was wearing his mask, but I could see him breathe a deep sigh of relief under that mask, man. And for me, I was shocked because in my opinion, I thought he was his, I thought Hankinson's goose was cooked because of the politics and the pressure behind this case. I mean, this has been an ongoing major case at the forefront of the country since 2020. And I mean, we saw what happened in, uh, in Minnesota with the officer that assisted in the death of George Floyd. And the thing that disturbed me about that was the outside interference from politicians and the public saying that if we don't get this certain verdict, we're going to burn it down. Then you got Maxine's waters, old, outdated, decrepit, far left, just pandering, problem starting self out there saying if we don't get the verdict we want we need to take to the streets and get confrontational you know and nothing was said about it you know so you know we we have these things going on in the country that people are trying to enforce their will onto the jury who's supposed to be impartial in all of this and only going off of the facts you know so these people are putting pressure on the jury here i haven't heard anything about the protesters or people in support of Breonna Taylor wanting to get a guilty, you know, verdict. I've heard nothing about them putting pressure on the jury, but when they went to, uh, 
went to deliberate and they came back with that verdict and it didn't take them long. I mean, I was shocked because I really thought they were going to throw him under the bus to save the city for politics and to preserve themselves. So I was actually shocked by the jury's decision. And man, wow. Wow. And as soon as that happened, guess what? There goes my weekend. Because like I said, they are Black Lives Matter and the protesters and Antifa and all these guys. Now they have a cause and now they are back out in the forefront. They are ready to march for justice for Beyond the Taylor. You know, and I'm listening to everybody's interviews and and they're upset. And I understand why, because they did not get the verdict that they want. They're not getting the justice that they desire. But for me, the whole thing I am looking at from the outside looking in and also as an experienced officer, people, yes, police officers, we are definitely held to a higher standard as we should. As police officers, we yield a lot of power. We have the right to take somebody's life and somebody's freedom, somebody's money. We have a lot of rights. And that is something that should not be taken on lightly by anybody that wears a badge for a living. This is a serious profession and we have to be on top of our game. And I am absolutely okay with people holding police officers to a certain to a higher standard. I'm okay with the city holding me as an officer to a higher standard. But what I am not okay with is the city not holding anybody else to any sort of standard. Yes, there are no other standards that are enforced. It seems that the only standards that are to be held are those of us in uniform. You know, it's kind of like when soldiers go to war, like when I was in Iraq, you know, I had the Geneva Conventions. I had SOP and all this stuff. But the insurgents, they didn't have to worry about none of that. I'm the only one that had to fight fair. But everybody else, you know, the people trying to kill us, everybody just do what they can do. Hey, there's no punishment to you. And that has been my entire thing since I heard this verdict come back and that he was not guilty. And for me, I have been policing in this county, in Jefferson County, in Louisville, Kentucky, for roughly 10 years. I cannot tell you the amount of times I have been called to a scene. Somebody has dumped gone to somebody else's home and took a firearm and sprayed the side of the and sprayed their house with bullets. I've seen it done in cars. I've seen people, uh, people get shot at in broad daylight. And of course, yeah, we catch the people, we catch the person, the criminal, the perp, whatever you want to call them. And then we take them to jail. And one of the charges we put on them is wanton endangerment. And even when there's overwhelming evidence of it, we collect the shell casings, we get the gun, you know, we get the prints to match the person that held the gun, that shot, the, that fired the shots. Then lo and behold, you go to court here in wonderful Jefferson County. And you know what happens with that charge? Not a damn thing. Do you know what happens to the person that actually shot the shot? Not a damn thing. In the time I've been here, I don't know if I have seen anyone officially charged with wanton endangerment and actually serve time behind it. Typically, when you charge somebody with that and you go to court, they'll be like, oh, wanton endangerment. Hey, how about we amend this down to wanton endangerment second? Or, hey, we'll give him probation. Nobody in this county, from my experience, I'm sure other officers have their own experiences, 
But from my experience, I've not seen anybody be held to the standard of a wanton endangerment charge of due time. Not once. That's just me personally. You know, and so for if they would have returned a verdict of guilty and then put this man in jail for five to 15 years when nobody else in this county that I know of has served hard time behind a one endangerment charge, I would have a question and I would say, you know what? The city has set a bad precedent with these types of charges. The city has just set a bad precedent in general when it comes to enforcing law and actually holding people accountable for the crimes they commit. And that's why I say, yes, hold me and my fellow officers to a higher standard. But I'll be damned if you're not going to put hold us to a standard when you hold nobody else to it. You know, and then we come to the talk of accountability. And lo and behold, Louisville's great leader. And I use that term very, 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 very loosely. Mayor Greg Fisher. Of course, he has to come on. He has to release a statement because, of course, after all, this is his city. He's the mayor here. I'm not going to say he's a leader here because I don't see him as much of a leader. I see him as a political pawn. He's just passing through and on to his next political gig. My God. So he releases this statement. And of course, what, what else would I expect from the statement? He says, while I appreciate the work of the jury, today's decision adds to the frustration and anger of many over the inability to find more accountability for the tragic events of March 13th, 2020. While the conduct considered in this case was not specific to Breonna Taylor's death, the fact remains that she should not have died that night. And I know that for many, justice has still not been achieved. For Metro government, we remain focused on ensuring this never happens again. With a singular determination to build greater trust between LMPD and the larger community, they are sworn to protect and serve. This includes banning no-knock warrants, conducting a top-to-bottom review of our police department, creating a civilian and accountability and an office of inspector general, changing tear gas and duty to intervene policies, making reforms and search warrants and currency seizure policies and working closely with the department of justice to create best in nation policies. Signed mayor Greg Fisher. You know, I keep hearing this word accountability and it only seems to matter when there's an officer involved. Was there accountability to be had on our side as officers? Of course there is. There's always accountability to be spread around. But like I said, people only want to hold one side of this equation accountable. But everybody else gets off scotch-free. Breonna Taylor. Was she innocent? No. Should she have died that night? Definitely not. But why not hold her boyfriend accountable? Now we're not going to do that. Breonna Taylor made, she's a grown woman. She made her own decisions. When you lie down with dogs, you are definitely going to get fleas. I've been black 38 years in this country. And you know what? I've never had the police run up into my apartment. I've never been pulled out of a car and had a gun pointed to my head by a cop. Because our actions determine our future. Every decision and every choice you make from the time you wake up in the morning it's putting you on a certain path to a certain destination. We don't control much in this life, but we do control our decisions and what we do and how we react to certain things. And unfortunately, I'm not going to sit here and say Brianna Taylor was a bad person or a bad woman because I don't know her specifically. I just know that she was in bed with some bad, bad people. And if you hang out with drug dealers, 
you're going to find yourself getting caught up in the drug game. And guess who's involved in the drug game? The police. And the drug game typically only ends up one or two places, dead or in jail. And for her, unfortunately, she lost her life, which is tragic. I would never sit here and celebrate the death of Breonna Taylor because the loss of life is tragic. But man, it could have been avoided at so many levels if there was accountability to be had on their end. But when you get shot and killed by the police and you're black and officers white, hey, there's no accountability for you in this far left Marxist communist loving culture. It's all the evil white police and this is all due to slavery, CRT, intersectionality, yada, yada, yada. Hey, you're black. You don't have to take responsibility for any of this, any of this. And look where this has gotten us nowhere. And speaking of accountabilities, man, Mayor Greg Fisher sure does love to use the word accountability. All this talk about accountability. And what does this man do? He passes the buck to the police and refuses to look at any of the decisions or things that he has done as mayor. And he refuses to look at the fact that more black people have been killed in this city, especially young black people, young black women, young black men, the black future of America. They're being killed off in the city under Greg Fisher's administration. The Louisville we are living in now under Greg Fisher's administration is not the Louisville that I used to live in when I first moved here. This is not the Louisville that I used to police in either. We used to average maybe 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 homicides on a bad year. But now we have doubled that number. And this is all happening under Greg, Mayor Greg Fisher's watch. There is a river of blood that is flowing in this city and it is flowing directly from the mayor's office. You know what? There's never been a more dangerous time to be a person of color or be a black person in Louisville than now. And it is not because of the police, but it is directly because of Greg Fisher's policies and his refusal to take on crime and do what's best for the entire city. Not just a small segment of the city, not just for the minorities of the city. This entire city is suffering right now. And you know whose shoulders that falls on? When you are the quote unquote leader of a city, it's on you. Everything's on your shoulders when you're the leader. Mary, you need to listen to the Jocko podcast and learn something called extreme ownership, which you have not done or shown once. Nothing has ever been your fault. You talk about accountability for us, but where's your accountability? I want accountability from the mayor about the number of black lives lost to violence under his administration. And let me go ahead and preface this. Is the mayor directly responsible for the number of deaths and the black lives here? No, this man didn't go out there and kill him himself with his bare hands. But when you start playing politics and flirting with the far left and the Marxist and communist anti-police crowd and the far left woke crowd, you and you give them a voice and you embolden them, and what you have done is you have laid a foundation for a black crime wave and bloodbath in this city. That's what we have going on. And it breaks my heart because I love this city. You know, but regardless of how I feel about this city, this department, the mayor, I know 100% for sure that the feeling is not always reciprocated, but that's okay. 
you know, one of God's greatest commandments is to love thy neighbor. And I am doing my best to do that, Louisville. I am doing my best to love you and serve you and protect you. But I can only do so much. You see, you want to you want to continue to hold me and my fellow brothers and sisters in blue accountable. And I'm OK. But for some odd reason, we let everybody else go. Nobody else gets held accountable in the city but the police. We let our council members slide. We let the judges who let these killers out back into our community to reoffend and hurt and kill us. We let organizations like the Bell Project come into the city, use their money and let out killers to come back home and live right next door to you and make you their next victim. And see, the word victim, I hate the word victim, but my God, in this city, there are a lot of victims. And we, for some odd reason, seem to have lost compassion for the victims in our city. It's sad and it's tragic, man. Like, if I was to mention this name to you, would you mention, would you, would you realize it? Angelica James. Nobody realizes that name. That's the young lady who was killed the other day here in Louisville. She was shot and killed by her baby's father. But nobody knows that name. But lo and behold, we know the name of Breonna Taylor. We know the name of George Floyd. We know the name of anybody that's got dark skin that gets killed by a cop. And not only that, they get paid. Their families get paid for it. And I'm not talking about chump, chump change. These families are getting paid millions of dollars. And they are profiting off of the bad life decisions of their deceased loved ones. But even then, all that money's not enough to get them the justice they want. But what about the justice for Angelica James? What about the justice for her kids who are going to have to live the rest of their lives knowing that their mother's not here because of what their father did? Where's their justice? Why does justice only matter when the death comes at the hands of a cop? This is not the Louisville I want. This isn't the Louisville anybody wants. But see, because we're playing politics, we're getting the city that we deserve. And as always, guess who's suffering because of it? That's the poor sections of our city. And those are the minority sections of our city. The West End, you know, the South End, they are the ones suffering every day. And you know who else is suffering? The police. Because who do you think is there every time the tones go off and there's a shooting or there's somebody in need? It's us. And we're fighting a battle on two fronts. We're fighting against the court system and we're fighting against this far left agenda that's plaguing our city that is killing us, man. And we're tired. Do you think that just because I go home at night and after I take off my uniform that I can just easily forget the homicide scene I was just on? It don't just go away. Y'all see us with these uniforms and y'all forget we are humans, man. We have families. I have feelings and emotions. Do you think that we don't get tired of seeing the death in our city? I'm exhausted. I'm tired of it. There's a reason why I work downtown in the actual downtown district of Louisville and not west of Ninth Street. Because I am tired of seeing young black lives, young black men constantly killing each other and rapping about it in music videos and being proud about it. I'm tired of it, man. I don't want to see that no more.
And I'm tired of standing on these homicide scenes and everybody in the neighborhood was outside when this dude got blasted and his brains are leaking all over the sidewalk and the pavement, but ain't nobody see anything. But then we got the nerves to come yell, no justice, no peace for Breonna Taylor. But the dude you just watched get blasted in broad daylight, you ain't saying a damn word and his mom is right in front of you crying. Is that justice? Is that the Louisville you want to live in? That's not the Louisville I want to live in. Well, you know what? This is the exact reason why I am no longer a resident in this county. I can work here, but I cannot continue to live and work here. I can work in the chaos, but I cannot work and live in the chaos. So I have chose to leave this county. Heck, most of the officers I know don't even live in the county because we know what it's really like. We know that the chances of you becoming a victim here are high. You know, we always joke around that we call Louisville Possibility City, but we joke around and always say, yeah, possibly becoming the next murder victim city. But let me tell you what really worries me about this entire thing. See, I don't mind people protesting. If you want to protest, protest. You have the First Amendment right. The Constitution tells you that you can protest and voice your opinion and your disdain for the government. That is what we do. That is America. So if you want to get out here, walk, march and protest and shout, yell and scream, I am all for it. If you want to sit out here, yell F the police, you know, go for it. That's just do that. Do what you do, man. But all I ask is leave people out of this that are not involved in it. Not everybody out in the street wants to be involved with your protests. Don't block traffic. Leave people alone. Don't destroy property. See, if you start becoming violent and you start destroying stuff, guess what? We are going to get involved, the police. And I don't want us to have to get involved. And guess what? And then once we get involved, there are going to be people saying, oh, well, you know, they got in there. They didn't have to do that. The police shouldn't have been there. Yes, we have to be there. And because you all have a history, a very violent history of trying to destroy this city and hurting people, from the last few years during all this crazy protesting and rioting madness, we are on the guard and we are on alert. But let me tell you what really bothers me and scares me. It's not the fact that people are protesting. What I am concerned about is that one individual. We all know that there's that one person out there that's slightly unhinged and slightly off the chain. And this one verdict is going to might might possibly send that person over the edge and then the protesting starts back up and then that one person feels emboldened and empowered and they grow angry and they're like and they say you know what i think i'm gonna go kill a cop or i'm gonna start killing cops that is my biggest fear it is the fear that that one person is gonna rise up and try to kill me while i'm sitting in my patrol car or my friends people officers that had nothing to do with this thing and it's 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 not a good feeling that's my biggest fear i don't care about the protest but i am worried about that one person and we all know that there are many of those single individuals in this county or the surrounding areas that might feel like you know what i got to do something about this i'm going to go get justice for a breed I'm going to go get justice for all these other people. I'm tired of the police and they're going to try to take matters into their own hand and target me or my friends for simply wearing a uniform and working for 
this department, even though we had nothing to do with it. That's my biggest fear. But as I said, I'm paranoid. And I believe in always staying frosty and always watching my six. And I believe that everyone has a plan to try to kill me. I live my life by the great saying, stay strapped or get clapped. And it's better to be ready than to have to get ready. So I'm always on guard and I'm ready for whatever. So, But I hope and I pray that it does not come to that. I don't want to see that in this city. I don't want to see it anywhere else. We have seen way too much of it these last few years with officers getting ambushed and shot and killed. And I don't want to go to any more cop funerals. And I don't want to be sitting anywhere in a hospital with extra holes in me. You know, And I don't want to hear, well, this is what you signed up for. None of us signed up to get holes blown in us, man. We signed up to go help people in their most dire time and their dire need. You know, if somebody dies on a construction site and something falls on them and it kills them, I mean, do you say, well, he knew the risk he was taking and he signed up for it? No. So why would you say the same about us in this police uniform? Come on, people. Be smarter than that. Whew, man. I need to calm down. I told y'all, my lips was getting loose. I just got a lot of pent-up frustration and emotion, but I'm also real happy. Say, I'm, you know, I'm glad that Hankinson is not going to jail for five to 15 years, you know, and I'm also happy that y'all know what it is. My book's out and not just that. The fact that I am pitched memoirs of an American patriot is out, man. I've been getting a lot of good press, a lot of good reviews on the book. And the other day, man, I got one of the most humbling messages I could have ever received from anybody completely unexpected so not a lot of people know who david horowitz is i mean if you're into politics and what's going on in the nation you probably do me personally i am just now discovering him so i'm not gonna sit here like yeah man i know yeah i know dave i've been reading this book since the, since way back in the day now i'm not young i'm i told you i'm not a reader man i am far from that but mr dave horowitz he is he has written my god man I think at least maybe 40 books and he's been a New York times bestseller and my homeboy Corbin, uh, his, uh, show book talk with Corbin. He hooked me up with, uh, Mr. Dave Hor David Horowitz. And we did a podcast together on, uh, Corbin's book talk with Corbin podcast. And so after that, you know, Mr. Horowitz, like, Hey man, I'm gonna send you some copies of my new book. And I just find it absolutely hilarious that his newest book, it's called I Can't Breathe, How a Race Hoax is Killing America. It literally comes with a trigger warning. <laughs> oh, it is phenomenal. I actually just finished it the other day on audiobook. And man, what a great, great read. And so, uh, you know, I told Mr. Horowitz, like, hey, sir, I would like to send you a copy of my book. He's like, ah, don't worry about it. I already purchased, purchased it. So lo and behold, he reads my book in like a day or two. And I get this message from him. In, in uh, reference to my book, it says a note from David Horowitz. Since the interview with Dexter Pitts, Iraqi war vet and municipal police officer, I've read his book on life story. If you want to know how this country is changing under the surface, if you want to understand how ordinary Americans are wrestling with issues of race and urban violence, you don't want to miss this book, which will move you to tears. It is so dramatic. And Dexter has such a powerful human voice. I read it in three days and literally could not put it down. Man, when a New York Times bestselling author gives you a compliment as such, 
You take it and you run. Bro, man, Mr. Horowitz, I don't know if you're going to listen to this one, but from the bottom of my heart, thank you for reading my book and thank you for the kind compliment about my book. Man, I really, my mind's blown, people. I'm not going to lie. My mind is absolutely blown because when I started my book, I never had any super high expectations for it or I never imagined that, hey, I'm going to have a New York Times bestselling author telling me that my book was like great and just how it moved them to tears. Like, man, that really, that struck a chord in me, you know, and I'm hard on myself. And he told me, he was like, hey, you're hard on yourself, man. Enjoy the success. Enjoy what you've written. And I'm still trying to learn to do that. And my wife will tell you, it is hard for me to accept compliments. I don't know why. I think, honestly, I think that's from my time being in the Army Infantry, where nothing you do is ever good enough and you're a waste of life. So it's hard for me to receive and accept compliments, but that is one compliment I absolutely want to accept because, I mean, I'm proud of my book. I'm absolutely proud. I mean, it took time, patience, and I mean, it's it's been a labor of love, and I love the final product of it, man, and I love that other people are enjoying the book and I am really loving that. I mean, so many people have hit me up and said, man, dude, this is phenomenal. I couldn't put it down. I couldn't stop reading. And I never thought I would be the owner of something that I created, that I lived through, that other people find so much value in. Because oftentimes it's hard for me to find value in my own self. But for me to be living in this moment and seeing people find so much value in my story and something I created, man humbled and just it's unreal absolutely unreal you know and you know i i realized something the other day i was uh searching on the uh on the searching on the searching on the internet you know i was searching on the web man i was trying to find other books about the 2020 protests and the 2020 you know riots and i was looking for books from officers and now there are people that have been officers like uh, Brandon Tatum and uh, I think a couple other guys that are no longer officers that had wrote a book in that t- about that time period. But these are not guys that are active officers. You know, they used to be the police and I'm, that's not a knock on them. Hey, man, if you can find a way to get out and find something doing you love making more money hey, go out there and get it like B. Tatum, man, that dude's crushing it. Yo, but man, I realize that I am in a league of my own. I believe I am the only officer in the U.S. And if it's a, like I said, if I'm wrong, somebody correct me. I believe I'm the only officer in the country that is an active officer that has written a book about their ex, uh, that references their experience during the 2020 civil unrest. And man, that's if that's the case, that is pretty cool. It's pretty phenomenal, but it's also pretty sad. You know, it is lonely at the top, but man, there are so many officers in this country that lived through what I lived through. I didn't go through this alone. I'm not the only officer that experienced this stuff. There are so many officers that did, and there are so many stories and experiences that were that have happened over the last few years with all this craziness in our country. And nobody knows these stories. And nobody knows what these other officers went through. So I am hoping what my book is doing and this podcast does. I am hoping that it will lead other officers that are actives, 
not former officers, active officers, officers that are still out here serving and protecting the community, officers that still have skin in the game, officers that are willing to put put it all on the line every day, not just in uniform, but put it on the line by sharing your story, man. Ladies and gentlemen, I am only one man. I am only one officer. And my experience is exactly that. My experience. My experience does not speak for every other officer's experience during these last few years and what it was like. Hell, I missed the first two weeks of the protest because I was still in Arizona doing everything I could to get back. I believe the protest here in Louisville popped off May 28th. And I didn't get back here till June 15th and I didn't hit the streets until June 20th. And so the right now, my perspective is the only perspective out in the world about these protests from in a book form. And I don't want to be the only officer out here with the experience and a story that's written out. It shouldn't be my only I shouldn't be the only person out here. People should not only should not see this only through my eyes and my experience. There has to be other officers that step up and say, hey, this is my story. This is what I went through. You know, not, not everybody's going to write a book. I mean, but there's podcasts to do. I mean, there's so many ways to put your experiences out here, because the biggest problem we have now is that the media is shaping the narrative of what happened. And they're already trying to make it seem like, you know what? Hey, we forgot about all that. Now, nah, that wasn't us. You know, that wasn't us being woke. But the truth is, we we know who started all this. Man, I guess it's over out in California. The mayor out there in uh, San Francisco. Now she's going, oh, we're going to get hard on crime. You know, we're going to take back the city. You know, we're going to set a standard. When all this time, it's been the officers holding the city together. It's been us in uniform holding the standard and living up to the standard but everybody else has just been crapping on us this entire time but yet the media is going to put out that narrative of the far left and that we can't have that man i need my fellow officers to step up and start sharing your stories and yes i know it's hard to do especially if you live in a in police and work in a major liberal democratic city but i have told people repeatedly and time and time again you are an employee of the city, not a slave. And if you can spend 8, 10, 12, plus 16 plus hours in your police car patrolling the neighborhood, ensuring that everybody's rights are intact and that the Constitution is being applied equally and evenly to everybody, but you yourself as an officer can't use those rights, that's not right. That doesn't, that, you're not a citizen. At that point, you're a slave if everybody else has these rights and these freedoms, but you don't. So I want other officers to start stepping up and sharing their experiences. Let your voices be heard, man. I don't want my voice to be the only voice out here in my experience. It's not right because there's things that people have went through and lived through with an ex with a perspective that I don't have. And I want to have multiple perspectives of what we've all gone through. So, man, get out there, start writing your books, start doing something journaling articles whatever podcasts man don't be afraid to step up and speak your mind but like i said do it respectfully i ain't gonna lie i went a little hard on this one tonight like i said man, i'm over here drinking this russell reserve getting too loose i don't know if i'm gonna have a job in the morning but if i don't it's absolutely okay <laughs> you know what i am gonna have a job in the morning you know why 
because they need me on that wall because it's protest season in Louisville, people, and the protesters are coming back. The enemy's at the door. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's going to be a long, long weekend. Long weekend, people. And you know what? Like I said, I'm here. I'm here for it all. Here for the overtime. It is what it is. I guess it's time to put my personal life and my family on the back burner and strap up and hit the streets and uh, deal with the protests. Here we go with the 2020-2021 repeat. My God, my PTSD is tingling just thinking about it. <laughs> oh, man, I am going to go ahead and stop this one. Oh, I have drank just enough. Not too much, just enough. Man, but thank you all for tuning in. This has been the I Am Pitch podcast. As you all know, you know what I'm about to ask. If you all could, please go to Apple Podcast and leave me a review for the, sh- for the show. And if you could give me a five star rating, like I said, that helps me move up and get the show out there a little bit more. And you can also, if you could go to Spotify, give your boy five stars and help me move up in the ratings. And lastly, what did I talk about earlier? My book, I Am Pitt's Memoirs of an American Patriot is out. So if you want a copy, you can go to Amazon.com, type in I Am Pitt's and you can buy a copy there or you can buy directly from me. And if you buy directly from me, you get an autograph signed copy. So if you want to get an autograph signed copy from me, from me, just simply send me an email to I am at yahoo.com. Send me that payment and I'll put that bad boy in the mail to you. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the I am Pits podcast. Once again, thank you all for tuning in. Oh, and by the way, before we end, we I just passed over eight thousand downloads for the podcast and i'm coming up on my one year anniversary in the podcast game man that is amazing i think i'm this is episode 55 possibly i don't know who's counting but man over eight thousand downloads and ladies and gentlemen supporters that does not happen without you and i appreciate each and every one of you that takes the time to come sit here and listen to me ramble as i sip on some bourbon and just release all my frustrations out into the world. So thank you all for tuning in. Tell your mama, tell your daddy, tell your friends, and I will see y'all on the next one. Mm-hmm.